to the Urban Planners Podcast, hosted by Gigi the Planner. This podcast is about all things urban planning related and otherwise. In this setting, we'll discuss the ins and outs of the planning field. We'll even delve into some very controversial topics involving the role planners have to take in their everyday lives and jobs. Without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. This This is Gigi the Planner. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 13 of the Urban Planners Podcast. In today's episode, I will be interviewing Desiree Powell and we will be talking about how she got into the planning field, her platform, Black Spaces, as well as her ambitions and goals to delve into placemaking and tactical urbanism. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Welcome, Desiree, to the Urban Planners Podcast, and thank you for letting me interview you. Thank you for having me. I definitely appreciate it. Um, So first off, please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your educational background, and what sparked your interest in the planning field. Um, So I'm from Arlington, Texas, um, which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, North Texas area. Educational background, I went to UT Arlington, which is also Arlington, Texas. And then what sparked my interest in planning, one class in particular towards the end of undergrad, we had to look at social like injustice issues as far as redlining, how it affects schools, school districts, mapping. We focused in New York City, like with the KIPP schools. Um, and then after that, I worked in Parks and Rec, so that really fueled my, my desire to like do community development. And when I found out there was like a career or a profession for it, just kind of jumped in all the way, basically. So what school did you go to? Um, so I went to UT Arlington for my bachelor's and my master's. And so you have a bachelor's and master's in urban planning? Actually, my bachelor's is, is in business technology and social sciences. We actually don't have a bachelor's program in urban planning. Um, mm-hmm. My master's is in city and regional planning. So not too many. Actually, only one university in this area has a bachelor's in urban planning. Um, and they just wow. got it this past fall. Yeah, I actually hear that most schools only have master's. Mm-hmm. Um, my school actually had a, a bachelor's in urban planning, but from what I understand, um, there's only like a handful of schools that have bachelor's in urban planning and they may be expanding it now, but, um, a few years ago, that's what I heard. Yeah. From what I, the research that I was doing when I was looking at my master's, of course, a bunch of undergrad programs popped up and they have, seem like they have more bachelor's in like upstate, uh, Baltimore, DC area for whatever reason, but yeah, they, there's not too many of them down this way. Yeah. Um, So you recently started a blog called Black Spaces. Tell us about that. What caused you to start that blog? Um, So I've been wanting to start something for a while, kind of like post-graduation and a little bit before, just kind of exploring the lack of representation and kind of like the community of bringing more Black planners, making awareness of them and kind of giving them a place to collaborate see different types of articles, not even articles, just different types of interaction. Um, as I was getting ready to graduate, we didn't have very many black planners that came and spoke to us, even from the public or the private sector. Even in my internship, I, went, I was in a city that I was the only black person. And just like different things that we saw and were exposed to, we, it wasn't a lot of representation. And I kind of went back and forth on it for the longest. And kind of with all this time on my hands, it was kind of like, oh, just go ahead and do it. Um, Black Spaces is basically dedicated to creating the connection between urban planning and design with Black culture and how we 
as a race, along with, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll write things about the Latino community as well, just because I've had a little bit of experience in them. And how planning like really affects us, like the impacts of it, like the, the policies, the ordinances, how they directly impact our communities. And for me, it shines a brighter light on how what I'm doing or what I was doing on the public sector side really does leave out. Like it's really just sometimes I'll talk and we don't do a lot of action. So um, I can really resonate with that because that was a lot of reason why I started my platform with Gigi the Planner. Daryl was only one black person at my job when I started. Um, he was actually an architect, so he was more like an urban design planner. And then he left, and I was the only black person for a while. Um, and then another person was hired. So I felt like the only person for a very long time. And of course, there wasn't as many blacks um, in school with me. Um, so I'm like, you know, I think I sort of started almost out of a, I don't know, I want to say selfish reason, but <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to have there to be more representation. And I started to think about the fact that a lot of times when things are being planned in different cities, that the community don't always trust people of other races coming in and trying to plan their cities. So I'm like, we need to have black planners in black cities. Definitely. So we need to have an increase of black planners. And I thought about the best way to, you know, help that process move forward is to get the youth involved and youth engaged in understanding what that field is because it starts from them. If they never know what urban planning is, then we won't have the next set of black, you know, planners. So um, I hear a lot of people's story about urban planning and a lot of people usually just fall into the field. Um, nobody's like a little child. like, Oh, I want to be an urban planner when I grow up. No, <laughs> nobody's thinking about that. So if I could, you know, put something into their mind, even if it's just a Monday workshop, about another field outside of trying to be an athlete or a singer or a rapper or whatever else they're thinking about these days. You know, at least I did my part. Definitely. So moving on, um, so you worked for a small city in Texas. Please share your experience at your job. Uh, what did you like about it? And was the job what you expected out of the field of planning? Um, so that was like my my first official planning job. It was the city of Lancaster, which is about 15 minutes south of Dallas, which is pretty much the city that everybody knows this way. Um, it's about 38,000 residents. So they're growing, but obviously not. Uh, it's probably considered a small town than most people. Um, I came in as a planning technician. And the funny part was of it all was um, they hadn't had that position in like seven years. So when I started they were, we were just kind of like winging it. Like they hadn't really, that wasn't the job I originally applied for. So the like the job description and the responsibilities were really outdated from the last person that was there. Um, at that time, it was just the planning tech and the planner. Um, when I started, there was a planner above me and a senior planner. And then we had a like a director or whatever. Um, so definitely as far as expectations, like I didn't have any when I started, there was nothing as far as these are your responsibilities. It was just kind of like, hey, we need you to help whenever possible. We were like just overloaded, overwhelmed with projects, cases, permits. So I just kind of got thrown in the mix. So I had to learn a lot at one time. And I'm, I honestly, for, for like the first six months, I felt like, man, I went to school and I don't know anything about permits. I don't know anything about building inspections. I don't know anything about anything. And I felt like I had just made like the biggest mistake. Um, and I was doubting like my program at first and then myself. And then it dawned on me, like, my program maybe wasn't the most, you know, it's not top tier, but it's, it's good enough to be accredited. 
Um, and I feel like I did learn something, but it was just a different change going from being so ambitious and creative in school. And then you get to a job on the public side is <laughs> very different as far as we want you to implement these ordinances and just keep going. Like we don't have time to see like what the, what the results are. We'll check back in like five years or so. Um, so my expectations were definitely a little, a little dimmed down from graduate school, like post-graduation and actually getting into the field. Um, the pros of being in a small city and probably in a big city as well, you get to wear a lot of different hats. You do a lot of different stuff. Um, I've done everything from write a zoning ordinance or like the template for it to send out the notices to learn how to work the folder machine that folds them in like in threes to delivering mail. Um, even to the point where, like I've had to go walk to the post office just to make sure they went out on time because uh, you know we only run so many times. So and I also got to work in like building inspections and home permits was something that I never ever thought in a million years I'd be doing. But I learned a lot and I like grew to really like it. Um, as far as like cons from it, you know, it, it can be overwhelming. We didn't have a lot of staff. Like our department was literally three whole people. So if one person's gone, you're answering the phone, talking to citizens, taking questions filling in here and there and if somebody else is in a meeting it's pretty much just you one-on-one the load gets a little heavy sometimes because you, you do feel like you don't have any help but um at the end of the day you learn a lot whether you want to or you don't and uh, you get a lot of experience because you you're like that uh you're the go-to person good and bad in like every situation so yeah, it was cool yeah so funny you say that your your school experience didn't really match to the job experience that you had um same thing with me when I started working in my job I'm like I didn't sign up for this I went to school to be you know a planner and I was very ambitious at the you know at the beginning and I wanted to make a difference and then when I got into my job I'm like how can I make a difference here (laughs) right and it was extremely I don't know, disheartening, I would say, because, you know, I wanted to do something and I wasn't able to do that, that thing that I wanted. And actually, you know, funny, you know, we're talking about this right now. Um, I just had a podcast interview with Mitchell Silver. And one of the things he brought up as his, you know, advice at the very end of the podcast interview, he mentioned that he says that young planners and planners, you know, maybe mid-career planners or wherever you are in planning is to not lose your ambition and your spark for the job. Um, Maybe not the job specifically, but for the reason why you got into planning in the first place. Um, And he says that if your job doesn't allow you to actually have that that work that you want to do, then find it somewhere else. So even though your job may be, you know, you may be doing zoning and permitting and that may not be your <laughs> ambition, <laughs> find that ambition and maybe something you do on the side, basically. Definitely. That's, uh, that's, that's what I had a, I was invited to talk to uh, UNT, University of North Texas. They have a bachelor's in urban planning and they invited me to talk to their student APA organization, like their Zoom meeting yesterday. And one of the students actually asked, do you think it's a good idea to move around a lot, to bounce around from jobs? And I was like, well, uh, people classify classify me as a millennial, so they think that I'm going to move after six months every job that I have, no matter what. But I was like, planning is an interesting field. Um, the first couple months will be tough. I was I was like, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. My, my first six months of my job, I was like, man, I'm not going to make it. Every day I was like, this isn't it. And it wasn't like the work is hard. It was like, 
I didn't, like you said, I didn't feel like I was making an impact. And I also felt like I was just like a lackey. Like I was getting all this stuff that the person before me who just like had abruptly quit, I was just taking on all this responsibility and nobody was showing me how to do anything. Like I was literally just reading, reading every day for like three months. <laughs> and my boss was out of town for like the beginning of my start time. So like nobody really was really guiding me. So when he asked me that, I thought, I was like, I'm gonna just be honest with you. The first years are getting, you getting a feel for it. Um, after that, you start realizing your niche or what you really like. Um, I wouldn't say leave a job if you can't get your niche because public sector, like you and I both know, if you're ambitious, it's gonna be hard for you to like really make moves without you know, some pushback. But after a while, if you feel like management has changed, you've expressed what you like, you've expressed your, you know, your goals, your career aspirations, and you're kind of just being pushed to the side. Then, yeah, then I think it's time, you know, you look elsewhere or you create that, you know, that passion and outside things, whether it's volunteering or nonprofit. I can definitely say without the passion, um, just kind of like refinding that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how those first six months would have went because I was, I was definitely struggling adjusting to the a the office life like I've never I had never really been in a true office job even my internship like I was only there half the day and I got to like go on sites and I worked in parks and rec so I was active all throughout the day um so the whole nine like eight to five thing sitting down and nobody ever wanted to go out it was killing me but being able to like kind of touch back in and talk to some of my classmates and teachers and I was like yeah I don't think this is it for I don't know this I don't know if this is for me they're like remember why you got into it and it, it took some soul-searching and some uh, throwing away my resigna- resignation letter a couple of times when I first started to be like, okay, <laughs> learn as much as you can from the technical side, but, you know, find a way to still stay inspired outside of work or just, you know, for me personally, like volunteering, being a part of the city that I'm in really helps me get acquainted with the city. I really get more attached to it. So I started volunteering at our, uh, like the city trash shop where you, you know, residents can bring trash or bulk trash um different or whatever little thing they had going on if we could go out to the school for the day you know I was always game for <laughs> anything that didn't require me to be sitting down for like x amount of hours straight so that that really helped me reignite the passion to stick with it and you know like like you said um like he said keep it <laughs> reminding yourself even on those days when you're just like man I'm I'm just a zoning ordinance machine that's it that's all I do is write ordinances <laughs> or look at permits all day Uh, it's reminding yourself like, man, this is really valuable to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, And another thing that you're talking about, uh, you know, you worked in a small city, so you did a lot of different things. I know some planners are overwhelmed by that. I know that you were at at some points, Um, but there's also always a good thing um, about working in a small city versus a large city because I work at a semi-large city, I guess. And, I have like two tasks, so it gets very <laughs> mundane and very boring, and you don't really get to learn a lot, you know, because you just do two tasks. Now, I've been in my job for seven years, and there are things that you I could maybe talk about, but until I actually do those things myself, I would never really know know how to do that work. So there are some, you know, pros <laughs> for working at a small city because you get experience, and you'll get experience working in a small city a lot faster than you would working in a larger city. Definitely. Um, they throw you in pretty much with no floaties when you're in a small city. <laughs> and there were days where I was overwhelmed, but there was also days where I was like, well, you know, I mean, I got to learn it eventually. And a lot of it was, um, hadn't. I, I mean, I used a lot of my notes from school. <laughs> I Googled a lot of stuff that I didn't know. 
at the beginning, I was afraid to constantly ask people for help because I just felt like I was bothersome and <laughs> like worrisome, always asking like, hey, what does this acronym mean? Or what does it mean when they want to down zone? Because these were things that I like had really learned in school. Like I had heard it, but like learning about it and then somebody coming to you like, hey, I'm going to spend this much money to down zone. And it's like, oh, I probably need to really know what that means before I give them advice or a recommendation. Um, so you, it definitely, I don't even look at it like there's a, there was bad parts to um, working in a small city. There were, you know, okay days and there were grades that were great, but um, I learned a ton. <laughs> you wear a ton of different hats and I can definitely say there was never, <laughs> maybe towards the end of the day it was dull, but there was never two days in a row that were the same. Yeah, yeah, I can most definitely understand that. So you have an interest in placemaking and urban design in Black spaces, um, and that's one of my, my passions as well. How do you intend on working in that realm? I know you're doing a little bit now, um, but what are your future goals with that? So I decided to kind of like brush myself up onto the, te- the technical knowledge of it. So I decided to go back to school um, to get my master's of landscape architecture and to really get down to the nitty gritty. Um, as far as what urban design is and how it really impacts. Because up until now, I've been doing placemaking from a, obviously a very planning perspective, tech, tactical urbanism, you know, that kind of thing. But the more I thought about it long term, I was like, well, I really want to know the best way for me to create these type of markets and pop-ups and better places and public places is to really know like how they fit in. What's the best way to design them? What's the best way to put them in different communities and different neighborhoods? Um, so I decided to go back and get like the technical knowledge um, but as far as like actual like working post uh, COVID-19, I was fortunate to meet like a somebody from a redevelopment company um, who they're working on or yeah, they're working on a pretty big park in the Dallas area called Fair Park to make it more. So many people know it's a public space because not a lot of people go. They only go there for like big events like the state fair and they're trying to you know, make it more green. So when I'm not doing that, I'm just kind of. I was trying to think of ways to implement markets and pop-ups as small, effective, cost-efficient things um, that can pretty much be, you say copy and paste it, and that sounds really terrible, but you copy it from the, the framework, and then you paste it based on that type of community. And that's pretty much, I mean, I read a lot. I try to stay up to date or at least stay relevant in things that, like, Next City Post, they post a lot of things about that, food policy issues. Although I'm not a food policy person, the work that I started to do in placemaking and pop-up markets tend to dive back to food policy, you know, food desert and, you know, the lack of accessibility. So I have to keep myself a little brushed up on that because when I started getting into it, I had no idea about, like I had heard of food desert, but I had no idea how like, it's like a rabbit hole of information that is, is so much to intake and understand and learn. So for the most part, the, the physical implementation part is actually really easy and really simple. The technical part of it, um, of course, <laughs> you know, like I know, from, especially from a public sector, they want to know how much is it going to cost. So <laughs> I work on now, since we can't actually go outside, pretty much the framework of it. What's it going to cost? What everything, you know, what it breaks down to, all the breakdown of marketing, advertising, bringing people out, permits, things like that. Um, so I try to get a lot of the footwork, the legwork done. So when, we're get, when we do get ready to roll out to the public in any form or fashion, then all we have to do is find vendors instead of like, hey, having to walk through the process, uh, the permits, and we don't know how much it costs and kind of guessing. So right now it's just, I guess you could say, doing a lot of the boring stuff. (laughs) Cool. 
Cool. So do you plan on starting your master's in landscape architecture in the fall or, or uh, that? Yeah, in the fall, fall 2020. Cool. And that's the two-year program, right? Uh, yeah, two, two and a half. Um, they want you to take your time, of course, to make sure you're getting, you're getting every single thing, you're getting the most out of the studio classes, you're learning as much as possible. And like when you get ready to do your final presentation, they want it to be like top tier. So mm-hmm. two, two and a half years, I'm not too upset with it. Uh, just from the framework and a couple of teachers that I've met, I'm really excited about it. I'm really nervous about it because I don't have an architecture background and uh, not that great of a designer or drawer, at least on hand. Um, digitally a little bit but super excited just to be able to under like really understand like why some places have pocket parks and other places don't or why certain things work in some communities and they just they 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 struggle to get you know get off the ground in others because of the design so it'll be nice to be on the other side of the (laughs) of the site plan review instead of the side that's marking it up Mm-hmm. So, do you have to, being that you don't have any design background, do you have to take some prerequisite courses before starting the master's? Yeah, oh, well, it's part, it's included in my master's. The cool thing about um, at UTA or UT Arlington, the advisor that I have has been really great at helping me take some of my master's classes and apply them to the landscape architecture class or That's program. Good. Yeah, so it's definitely cut down uh, the amount of hours that I need. Um, the prerequisite classes are part of the master's program, but since I'm coming in as technically like a non-architect student, you have to take like design one or design studio one, design studio two. And they asked me like, how do you feel about it? And you know, I was like, I'm on, I was going to be, I'm honest. Like I don't have any like hand drawing abilities. Everything I've learned has been on the computer. So it's been like Photoshop, SketchUp. At first I was really worried about it, but I'm talking to some of my friends from that have their bachelor's in architecture. I'm not as uh, daunted by it. <laughs> That's cool. So I'm excited for you on that. I hope everything goes well. Um, Because I know most people in the urban design realm are either landscape architects or architects. Um, I actually have my bachelor's degree in urban design, but I don't really want to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Urban design is, I would say, probably a new field, a new term um, within the last 20, 30 years or so. So I know a lot of schools really don't offer degrees in urban design. I, when you when I was reading like about about you, I was like, man, urban design. I don't see any school that like actually offers a degree in it. They may offer like a class or two, but like an entire degree. So it is. Hopefully, it catches fire like uh, within the next year or so, mm-hmm. because it's it's important. And even us for us as planners that you know that we're going we go to school for, to, for urban planning or regional planning or transportation planning. If you try to make that transition to urban design, it's tough because you don't, if you didn't have any design background, it's almost like you're starting all over again. Like you don't even have a master's in planning or you don't even have a bachelor's or any planning knowledge. Yeah. Um, so I definitely hope that over the, over, over time, the gap between planning and architecture and landscape architecture will start to close a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the University of Miami has a master's degree in urban design. Um, it's actually only one year. And I have been so, so, so tempted <laughs> to go and get that degree from there. Um, I mean, some of the setbacks is the fact that it's um, a private school and really costly. Mm-hmm. And then um, I wouldn't be able to work because design courses are during the day. But I am tempted. Um, I believe Andres Duane, I'm pretty sure you know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he, 
I don't know if he teaches classes there, but I think his wife is like the head of the department. It's talked about a lot. Like on C- with CNU, that's the University of Miami is like, they have a, a class that you can take to prep you for the CNUA, like accreditation, kind of like AICP. Yeah. And it's through University of Miami. University of Miami apparently is the place to be for urban design. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to take that course because I've been trying to get, or at least wanting to get my accreditation for CNU. Um, I know one of my coworkers did it um, some years back. But yeah, that's one of my goals because I'm really, really passionate about tactical urbanism. Um, I had some classes in undergrad and in grad school, maybe about maybe about four classes. Really? Because I had a teacher there that that was basically what she was all about, tactical urbanism, placemaking. Um, and I appreciate you heard of Street Plans. Mm-hmm. Um, they're based here in Miami. And she actually worked there for a little bit. My teacher. Very cool. Yeah. But yeah, I've been trying to get into Street Plans, but... <laughs> I know it's, is it is it a private firm? Yeah, it's a private firm. I know it's tough. Yeah. Um I I'm gonna try to get Mike Linden on um a podcast soon. So very cool. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I know that you're currently looking for a job. How has that been going during this pandemic? It's interesting. Um cities are still posting, but for the most part, um, at least in Texas, most cities are in a freeze, a hiring freeze still. I'm not sure how it is in other cities or other states, actually. And the places that, that I, like, I guess was I was on the short list for interviews, right before, every, like, the pandemic really broke out, they were worried. So they, um, they put every, they, you know, they put everything on a freeze. I had an interview last week, actually. I totally forgot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the smaller, a city smaller than Lancaster, actually. And they're trying to move the process. They're trying, they're trying to move the process pretty quickly, but... Being on the government side, I know how what quickly means. <laughs> uh, I know in my last job, it took me like two months to get hired on just from paperwork, really. Yeah. So it's been kind of, it's been interesting. And it's been, at the beginning, it was difficult. But at the same time, when I started to look more into what I wanted to do, I saw that, you know, even with the planning knowledge, there was just a gap of the urban design or the landscape architecture or the, like, the, the actual accreditation that you've done it and you have a degree or you have a certification. Um, so for a while, I had just kind of backed away from looking for jobs just because I was like, well, I know what I want and I know it's not out there right now. So I'm willing to, you know, take this time to really figure out how to get from point A to point B. And huh. as much as I, I won't say I don't want to go back to the public sector, um, but the public sector is looking for one type of planner. Somebody that can do PNZ meetings, write their staff yeah. reports, document their minutes, which is cool. I'm totally capable of all those things, but I'm not as inclined to like go look for a planning job as I was like uh, at the beginning of the year. Now I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'll wait my turn. I'll work a regular ordinary job um, just so I can have the time and the flexibility to go to school, um, shadow people. Some of my classes, we do stuff all throughout the day. Um, A class in particular that I'm taking in the fall is like a plant ecology class and identification. So we go like on field trips. So I would rather have that as a priority than work as far as like a nine to five or an eight to five, because a job can say they're going to work with you. But when you tell them this, they're going to be like, oh, when are you going to be here? And then it gets really weird. So I would definitely prefer having like a a regular like part-time or hourly job, full-time even, just for the flexibility. But the market, they've still been posting, but even on APA, I've noticed that Instead of like six pages of jobs, I think it's like two pages right now. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's been interesting. But for me, because of 
now knowing like with 100% clarity, like urban design and placemaking, that's what I want to do. Um, I haven't really, those jobs are hard to find. You have to like know somebody or have met somebody at some conference or something. So <laughs> I'm just kind of sitting back and being patient, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think really in that type of space, you have to sort of just make something yourself. Um, almost be like a gig worker or have subcontracting, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the city or something because, yeah. <laughs> it's not out there. It's not, no matter how you search it on Google and on LinkedIn, on, uh, well, on LinkedIn you do find some things, but they're out of state. And before I decided to go back to school, I, was, I wasn't against moving, but now it's kind of like it doesn't make any sense to try to move somewhere when most of these classes are in person, I don't think any of them are offered online. So like you said, it definitely, it benefits just to try to pretty much be a consultant or a subcontractor. Mm-hmm. You put yourself out the work that you've done. Um, that's kind of how I got in touch with the, the redevelopment company that we, that I was working with before um, everything happened. I sent them, I just filled out the questionnaire on their website, not thinking anybody actually reads those emails because <laughs> I've sent out multiple not even for projects, just in general. So for them to like reach back out to me was kind of like a, a whim, honestly. So yeah, it's just, it's for that particular area, I think I'll, I take my chances just kind of being like a, a subcontractor or a consultant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what are your long-term professional goals? Like where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? So a hundred percent independent as a consultant or at a um, a firm that is geared towards placemaking and urban design. Independently, I do want to focus more on Black and Hispanic communities just because they just don't get the same amount of resources, services, and they're just designed They're designed poorly. And even though you can't fix a thousand wrongs in like six months, you can definitely do small things. Um, also, I really want to get into like commercial development as far as um, spaces creating spaces, public spaces, like outdoor spaces, as well as like, um, kind of like WeWork, but WeWork isn't going to come to like a, a black community or a Hispanic community, typically. <laughs> it's not going to be in close proximity. Um, places like that, um, as well as just kind of getting into the realm of educating people about how to shop for <laughs> commercial real estate and kind of avoid some of the pitfalls of spending money before they have to, some of the challenges they may face on the city side. And um, when that's all said and done, I just want to open a basketball gym. <laughs> <laughs> cool. cool. Um, okay, so that's, you know, just about everything. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with my audience or any advice that you'd like to give? Um, representation matters. <laughs> no matter what people say. It is, it's very challenging to, uh, to talk about the elephant in the room, especially on this side of it, it is, it is, it's tough. And it's like, you kind of have to pick your word strategically. And then sometimes you just have to come out and just say it, <laughs> but um, definitely, you know, if you, if you believe in something, you stand for something, stick with it, be an advocate for it until you can advocate no more. Um, and on a passion, on something to be passionate about, because that is what's going to keep you going when you're, when everything else around you is kind of crumbling professional wise, at least like if your job is going through all these different managerial changes and, you're going from planner to EBC to Parks and Rec. Like you don't have, they don't, they have no place for you. As long as you have your passion and you have some type of passion project going on outside of work, it'll keep you motivated times a thousand. And uh, 
don't be afraid to know. <laughs> You're gonna get a lot more no's than yeses, <laughs> especially in this in this type of work. Um, don't be afraid of no from your boss, from citizens, from city council. Everybody's gonna give you at least a thousand no's before you get a yes. Um, and I think any anything else besides that is just like you know, be be be, be for the people that you say you want to plan with and not for. I think <laughs> we talked about that yesterday in the like the their student organization meeting. The big thing that we as planners we talk a lot about is planning for communities instead of planning with them. So we kind of do a lot of invasive, <laughs> and you got to take this planning or not. Here's this this plan, implement it. Um, instead of going in with a more human perspective, I'm really big on just talking to people regular instead of like using all the planning jargon that we don't even use all the time that we don't even understand sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, def- just definitely like f- being passionate about something, following that. Not following the money. <laughs> this job doesn't. I mean, it, it can. Pay, I think it can pay pretty well. But at the beginning, if that's what you're in it for, you're gonna be super discouraged and super disappointed right off the bat. I totally agree. I, well, thank you for that. So, please provide your social media platforms. How can people connect with you? On Instagram, my social media is at the d t h e d e e underscore p. So the d p. And then I am recently back on Twitter for some reason um, at Black Spaces, so B-L-C-K-S-P-C-E-S. And you can also check out the blog, which is B-L-C-K-S-P-C-E-S.com, blackspaces.com. And I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't use it a whole lot. I'm not a huge fan of LinkedIn. It's just my name, Desiree Powell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Cool. So I'll add that into the show notes so people can connect with you. Okay. Well, thank you so much um, for being on my podcast and um, have a good night. Thank you. You too. Have a good one. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to be interviewed in a future episode, please head over to my website at ggtheplanner.com and select the interview tab and you can request to be interviewed by me in a future episode. That's all for today, folks. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Urban Planners Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over and leave a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast so that you won't miss out on an episode. If you would like to buy personalized urban planning gear and other products or are in need of some urban planning career coaching, please head over to ggtheplanner.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at ggtheplanner. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.